With over 400 zoos and aquariums in the U.S., how can we make them more sustainable? I'm Robert Colangelo. This is Green Sense, where we explore eco-innovations that make our life better. This week, we have two guests, Drew Gravett, Director of Strategic Partnerships for Snyder Electric, which did some incredible work making Chicago's Shedd Aquarium a more sustainable operation, and Bob Wingle, Senior Vice President of Facilities and Security at the Shedd Aquarium. Bob and Drew, welcome to Green Sense. Thank you, Robert. Yep, thank you. Well, we're really happy to have you on. Uh, we've been doing this show for over 10 years. We've never talked about uh, zoos and aquariums, so really excited to hear all about this. Um, today's show is going to tackle how zoos and aquariums can be made more sustainable. We're going to save that bigger question, are these facilities an ethical way to keep animals for another show? So this show is just going to focus on making them more sustainable. Um, as a uh, lifelong resident of Chicago, uh, city of Chicago is just a world-class city. It's established uh, many public attractions, the Art Institute, the Field Museum, the Planetarium, the Shedd Aquarium, and the Lincoln Park Zoo, which is one of the few zoos in the country with no emission. And most people don't think about what it takes to manage the water, waste, and climate at these facilities that house animals and all those visitors. And with exhibit conditions from Arctic cold in the heat of summer to tropical warm in the cold of winter, this all has to be done within an operating budget. And uh, that is a, a challenge. So Bob, let's start out with you. Maybe you can give some stats about the Shedd Aquarium. How many square feet is the aquarium footprint? How many fish and animals are on, a, on the exhibit? So um, at the aquarium, we're 458,000 square feet. A um, little over 4 million gallons of water, all different temperatures, all different varieties from fresh water to salt water. And we have about 27,000 animals in our care. Wow. <laughs> uh, can you put the, put the size of that in context? How many acres is that? So the aquarium itself, the, the, the site the aquarium on is a five acre facility. Bob, can you give us an idea of the operating budget just to manage all that water waste and HVAC equipment? And the operating budget to manage all of that from a, whole, a total facility perspective, from um, the operation of the mechanical equipment to securing the building, you're around seven and a half to eight million dollars. Wow, that's sizable. <laughs> very sizable, very sizable. And prior to improvements, how sustainable were the shed's uh, operations? So the aquarium always had its eye on sustainability and energy conservation. I'm going to go back to the late 90s. So Right around 1996, 1997 is when we started our first lighting retrofit, um, removing all the T12 fixtures and incandescent lamps and converting them to fluorescent. Um, that led to our first major control system. So it was an Andover con uh, control system that was a company that Schneider later bought, right? And um, from there, you know, it had us thinking differently about how we operate. When should we turn things off? How do we um, maximize our energy spend. And at that point in time, right, sustainability wasn't really a word in the late 90s. It was more of um, energy savings and it was more of a dollar thing. But yet, you know, we knew that it was helping the environment at that time. We had a green team back then. And Drew, tell me, what was the first improvement that you made? So um, Schneider's been at the aquarium for a while, ever since uh, we started with building automation. But when I joined um, Schneider Electric about 10 years ago, Bob and I started working together on a master energy plan that was really a, a roadmap looking at um, the, all the different ways to optimize the building automation, to change the way that the uh, water 
uh, was controlled and flowed around the building. And, uh, and then we started looking at solar panels. And I think that was the first big project that we did. We did a lot of little things, but installing the, um, the large solar array on top of the roof of the aquarium. And then what came later? You know, a lot of uh, a lot of smaller but really important changes, uh, upgrades to the building automation system, doing more economizer control, um, doing VFDs, uh, the metering systems. You know, just uh, a lot of measures. I think that um, really add up to a lot, a lot of little things that add up to a larger impact on the building uh, footprint and uh, lowering the emissions and making it more energy efficient. So Bob and Drew, I'll throw this next question to both of you. Uh, what is your metric for success there when it comes to sustainability? So I'm gonna give you some examples. So back in 2010, we created a sustainability strategic plan that led to our master energy roadmap, right? So we had an integrated strategy in each one of those areas that we had, whether say take energy, waste and water. So a metric for us is we reduced our water pole 50% since 2011, right? So we're an aquarium, we reduce, that is our business. We reduce that water pull 50%. That's a big deal, right? That's impressive. Uh, our energy um, reduction right now to date is about 23% since 2011. We have a stretch goal of 50% that was part of that integrated strategy. So the more we work towards that 50%, that's a measure of, of our success. And we have a waste diversion right now of 85%. That's a big deal for a place like us, right? So we measure based on, we set targets in that sustainability strategic plan, right? So we set to have a 90% and right now we're looking, how can we achieve a zero waste, right? Waste profile. Um, we're still working towards that 50% and that, um, or that 50% energy drop, but the 50% water reduction, now we got to maintain it and we're adding exhibits, right? So we want to stay around our annual usage that we're at right now. Drew, anything to add? No, I think that, um, you know, Schneider is is one part of many pieces that uh, help to sort of uh, educate and, and fulfill the master energy roadmap. I mean, this is a great organization that aligns well with us looking to, you know, not only um, not only to lower their carbon footprint and do these great things, but to be what, you know, we call a lighthouse, you know, an example for other customers within Schneider of all the incredible things that they can do to, to reduce their energy efficiency. You think about the complexity of an aquarium and how hard it is to manage not only the environments for the animals, but for people. And um, we often bring other people there to inspire them and have them understand all the uh, great things that they can do to, to lower their carbon footprint, to digitize their operations, to green their electricity sources and ultimately lower their carbon footprint. Uh, the city of Chicago, you know, once was quite a leader in sustainability. My good friend, Sidhu Johnson, was the first chief sustainability officer. Uh, Bob, how much uh, has the city been a driver to sustainability, or has it been more internal through your spiritual direction? So it, it's both, right? And um, the one thing that you got to look at sustainability, it's about partnerships and it's about collaboration. So the first retrofit Chicago or the energy benchmarking meeting was were held here right at the aquarium, right? Um, then at the time the mayor came and they kicked off that buildings were going to be benchmarking and we were going to be reporting through portfolio manager and all that good stuff. And it's funny, I just did our benchmark uh, report this week because it's due first week of June, right? So I, I got that in. And um, so it's a collaboration, right? And hopefully after the pandemic, 
the engineers groups around Chicago that is driven by Retrofit Chicago can start getting back together in person and collaborating and talking. So the city has been um, a really good partner for us during this journey. And they've been very supportive of all the work that we've been doing. Bob, you mentioned benchmarking. Do you benchmark against other aquariums? That's and a great question. Where do you stand? <laughs> yeah, so that's a great question. So um, there isn't an official benchmark, but there was a benchmark study done in 2011, and it revealed a lot of things. So you took six of the biggest aquariums in the country, um, didn't reveal names, but we all know who, who we were. And at the time, when everybody submitted their energy data, we were 15% under the benchmark. But we didn't say we're done. What we did is we looked at each other and there's a group that um, <clears throat> of us that is called AZFA, Aquarium Zoom Facility Association. And we basically said, okay, these numbers are revealing, but what it was saying is we're all not as good as we could be at it, right? Even though we're 15% below, we knew we could be better at that time and we did, right? So um, we do, I don't want to use the word compete. We talk and collaborate because we're all in this together. And um, we all have the same problems. And what it did is it opened up a level of transparency amongst zoos and aquariums to have honest conversations about water use, energy use, and what we can do to make it better. That's fantastic. Uh, Drew, what about the environmental benefits? Uh, how have all these uh, investments improved the uh, quality of life for the fish and the other animals in the aquarium? You know, I, I would defer a little back to Bob on that. I, I think that, um, you know, we've always really led with his guidance. So, um, you know, he's, he, there's a, again, master plan that um, we have a, a part in. And, and again, often our products can really help with his efforts, you know, by digitizing a lot of his operations, by giving him much better visibility into his use, into the temperatures of those environments, having tighter control. Um, you know, and then ultimately uh, uh, looking at kind of, again, greening the sources that he's using, whether that's his battery or his, uh, his solar panel on his roof. So, um, so Bob, ahead. I'll throw it back to you, uh, a quality of life for the fish and other animals and environmental benefits. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to start with the quality of life with the animals that aren't in our care and all the work that we do to reduce our carbon footprint. So there's a direct human impact on, um, the natural resources we consume in wild animals and wild animals in the ocean. So start with us reducing carbon footprint here, which helps the wild, um, the wild populations, correct? And um, then look here at some of the work we've done. So um, in water reclaiming, <clears throat> there is a whole study around microbiome and what's in the water. And um, we have a transfer system where we transfer water out of a fish system into our uh, cetacean system, so dolphins and whales, and that has showed that it has uh, given a more micro, um, micro diverse colonies of water, so that's been healthier for the animals um, by simply reclaiming water. The other thing we do is we uh, implement temperature swings for seasonality, right? So we warm our some of our habitats up a little bit in the summertime, which helps us save energy and our cooling load, but it also gives the animals that seasonal cycle that they would have out in the wild, so that's have been incredibly beneficial for our animals. Um, I know we're talking about aquariums, but can you shed any light on zoos? Is it easier to make a zoo or an aquarium more sustainable? I think they're both big um, challenges and each one of them has their own. And when you look at um, most of the zoos and aquariums across the country, they're older and they're retrofitting 
I would say it's equal, although I'm going to say it's probably a little tougher in an aquarium because we have equipment that has to run 24 hours a day and we're creating these diverse worlds inside of a building. Yes. And anytime you have water, things grow in water that you don't want to grow in there. So you've got to be very careful with uh, keeping that, you know, at the right temperature, the right pH and uh, uh, free of bacteria, viruses and, and pathogens. So that, that, that's a real challenge. Uh, Drew, anything you'd like to add between zoos and aquariums? No, I, I think, um, you know, we partnered with the AZFA and uh, worked closely with Bob to try to extrapolate some of the things that we've done together at the, uh, at the aquarium. So I think, again, Bob and the shed continue to be a shining example of, of what's possible. And um, I think, again, we try to use that to educate other customers and show them what they can do to also, again, lower their carbon footprint and to, um, you know, invest in renewable energy sources and continue to improve the quality of life for their animals and for those visiting and um, spending time educating themselves on these different worlds. Is there a nationwide or a global leader when it comes to aquarium sustainability? I believe we're one of them. I believe we're one of those global leaders. We were out in front of it early and um, it's, it's, it's tied to our mission. It starts right here in our own home. Um, and then we spread that out from here. We have folks out, you know, doing all kinds of research all over the world and looking at things like plastic pollution and climate change and how those impact our animals. And our contribution to it is right here, what we do in our own backyard. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I've always thought the Shed Aquarium was a leader. Uh, uh, I remember being a kid going down there and always being fascinated by what, what's going on there. Uh, Drew, anything you would uh, like to add to that? I guess the one thing I would add is, um, you know, we're talking a lot about what has been done and the current state. I think when you look at the shed and the conversations we're having, there's a ton of innovation happening around the future of the shed, how it interacts with the grid. Uh, we talk a lot about microgrids and uh, the opportunities that we have there to have a, a, a facility that really is participating with the larger downtown Chicago. So. I think, um, you know, future conversations are going to show that uh, Shed is not only managing its own energy use, but it's partaking in a larger ecosystem of buildings that are sort of bi-directional, participating with the utility, with other buildings to, um, to manage their overall usage and have a greater impact on everybody's carbon footprint. That's Drew Gravitt, Director of Strategic Partnerships for Snyder Electric and Bob Wengel, Senior Vice President of Facilities and Security at the Shed Aquarium. I'm Robert Colangelo. This is GreenSense with a reminder to you to check out the GreenSense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago.